Hello everyone, Justin Bell here on Drive to Win, presented by the Win Las Vegas and brought to you by Mobile One for the love of driving. Well, it was all about Carnival this weekend at the Brazilian Grand Prix in Telagos, which is why my guest today is particularly suitable. An IndyCar champion and Indy 500 winner, Gilles de Ferran, will be joining us who is also part of the mastermind behind McLaren's resurgence in the second half of the season. Uh, what a weekend, really, right? Um, interesting weekend. It's as though if they could throw the kitchen sink at every scenario that was going into play, they did, really. Uh, from the weather uh, to the fans to to what happened. I mean, just really a, a lot going on. I did enjoy the pre-grid. I've got to say, I've I've never been to Brazil, but my friendship with so many of the Brazilians like Gilles, Elio, and all those guys has given me an understanding and appreciation for their absolute passion for life, their spirit of, of love and, and enjoying the moment. And certainly you could see it in the grandstand. So many fans with the legacy of mainly Ayrton Senna, obviously over these years, over the years, he was, he's basically a religious institution in Brazil and you could see it with the massive paintings on the side of buildings, people still carrying the Senna flag. And I mean, just amazing to see. And you also realize when you go down and see on the gridwalk, uh, Rubens Barrichello and Felipe Massa, and obviously uh, two of the big, big Formula One names from, from Brazil also making a, sort of a show on the on the grid. The pre-grid, I, I love watching the pre-grid show. I love seeing Martin Brudel walk along. But it's there's a downside to it too, isn't there? And I, maybe it's just us who on the inside of the sport get more aggravated by it than and maybe you guys. But it's very hard to to differentiate on the grid between you know people that are doing their job and the required celebrity that have adopted our sport just as a you know something that's cool to go and do. And I just felt for uh, you know um, Martin when he was in the middle of his grid walk and he goes up to Machine Gun Kelly who. Just, I mean, it just looked like a total spaz. And uh, he, uh, you know, he's kind of rude and I guess he couldn't hear him, but it makes you realize, no wonder there's no grid passes because it goes to all sorts of weirdos. Um, but there were some other great moments seeing at the front of the grid on pole position, as I put it on social media. Um, she's not quite my goddaughter, but I have known her since she was a baby. And Gilles' daughter, Anna de Ferran, was the DJ at the front, uh, right by where they you know, where they did the driver announcements at the beginning. And uh, I was so happy for her. Great, great vibe. She's doing really well. Um, obviously, into the weekend, one of those disjointed sprint weekends, sprint race weekends, and Max won. And it was Lando, then Sergio. So that was great. Do we care? I'm not sure I care. Uh, I think I'm caring less and less about the sprints. I know they've got a do some work on them coming into next year and try and re reformat them because it does seem crazy that, you know, they go into part ferme, which is where they can't touch the car after just one, one hour of practice. And I think it really does have a knock on effect as we saw, you know, with disqualifications with the plank situation being too low on the bottom of the car a couple of weekends ago. And then you have, you know, you didn't have that in this race, but definitely a compromise for some of the teams going into the main show. And I, I guess more is more is more better is more is better. Um, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of it, and I and I watch it, and and I'm just like, there's so much at risk, and there's so little reward uh, because there's no such thing as driving a Formula One car slowly. There's no such thing as the team underperforming just because it's because it's a, a sprint race. So everything goes into it, and it just I don't know. They got to get it right. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, but definitely, as they lined up on the grid for the main show on Sunday, it was a very dynamic and the track is short. So it's a dynamic environment. And uh, as they went round as a foreshadowing, a foretelling perhaps of the chaos that was about to ensue was when Charles Leclerc's Ferrari, uh, as we now know, it locked up, had a, it had a hydraulic and maybe more issue uh, that put him in the barrier. The first thing the commentator said quite naturally was, oh, he must have, you know, just like the dude, they really get it sideways trying to warm up the rear tires, trying to put heat into them. And and he went in the wall. But no, he didn't do that. They, you could see there was a puff of smoke uh, just after the hydraulics went, locked him up, put him in the wall. And you got to say, he he is right. What does he have to do to have a bit of luck? Um, terrible, terrible for them. And, uh, you know, certainly felt for them. But I don't know about you. 
but that opening 30 seconds, 15, 20 seconds of that race, you, if you're a betting man, you could not have bet on what was going to happen. I was out of my seat, excited to watch uh, Lando start just fabulous as he, as he made his way to the front into second, but then all that contact Albon and Magnuson, and then into Hulkenberg and, and then the sort of piastri, the indice indignancy of, is that even a word? Indecency? And he must've been indignant to be damaged by a car going backwards behind you as it tail, as he hit the brakes, it, it obviously broke his rear wing. I mean, I don't think that's happened very often in motor racing history. So there's something new every time, uh, which of course drove us to the red flag and allowed a reset, some work allowed to be done under red flags, obviously. And then we started the race again. And you really can miss the middle part of the race. I, I don't want to recap it. You watched it. Um, but it was just extraordinary to see how the strategy played out on the tires, the pace of McLaren, the pace of Lando, what he was able to pull off, how he didn't really let Max extend a lead too much. It was always within a, a fighting window in case anything went wrong. Um, he was right there to pounce. But let me give you, let me give you my my highlights, if you like, from, from the weekend, which were obviously McLaren and Lando Norris. He picked up four spaces at the start, six to two by turn one. Um, yeah, I know the pace had a little drop off in the middle, but it was so fast. I mean, five podiums in the last six races. Uh, just the second highest point scorer uh, in, I don't know, seven or eight races. I mean, just amazing to see what they did. And I promise you, when McLaren give him a car to win or the fate may in these last two races uh, go against the, the Red Bull, who knows, probably unlikely. Uh, but if he does, he's right there. And how impressive his management of the car. And I love hearing him in, on the radio. He's, he's such so cheeky. But uh, what a great, a great momentum. And I, I'm looking forward to hearing what Jill says about that, obviously. Next on my list of standouts is, uh, if I had to put it on a postcard, would be Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin. And there was some sort of crazy rumor earlier in the weekend that uh, he was up for the second Red Bull seat, which he absolutely squashed very aggressively saying that the uh, media responsible would pay, whatever that means. But I think it just shows his level of passion. He's committed to Aston Martin. He's part of their development. They're getting there. They were there earlier. They dropped away. And obviously the result they had uh, this weekend really showed how good he was. I mean, he it's all about that time management, the ability to, he was changing his lines just to minimize his exposure to the weakness of his car as opposed to the rebel under DRS. It was a masterclass, and to to loot to to re you know hold on to third place by fifty three thousandths of a second, and you try and measure that on a stopwatch, impossible to do. That was racing. It it just was. I hope you were like me. I was I was so excited to watch, and it was uh, anyway. It was a good way to end a motor race, which leads to Sergio Perez, who. There he is. Welcome back, Sergio Perez. Welcome back, Checo. You were fabulous this weekend. And yes, I'm sure there were people that would say you should be in second place right behind uh, the, your, your teammate, Max. But I tell you what, in Brazil, you drove brilliantly. It was just watching. He was this tactician from the car. He, he just did it so, so well. And uh, he was fast and aggressive. And you know what? He does need the pressure. Is Red Bull have never finished one two in the drivers' champ in the drivers' uh, championship, and that's what they want. And if he does that for the next two weekends, then that's pretty locked up, isn't it? Uh, especially on the back of the unbelievably dismal weekend. Dismal is the right word from um, Mercedes. That was the other side of the coin. Couldn't have been worse. And I was listening to uh, on the Formula One podcast, James Allison talking about it. They were just caught out by the pace of the car. They had no comprehension it was going to be that crappy. And, you know, it's the, as he said very calmly, we need to analyze and review, which is already going on by the time everyone leaves the track. They got their rear tires very hot. They had a snappy rear end and they got a lot of understeer, which I'm telling you, as a driver, makes the car inconsistent. You can't premeditate what it's going to do. You can't get the car into a rhythm and you overwork your tires. And as we know, Tire management is the key. So just uh, just a crazy weekend, a little, little dull in the middle of the race, but the end certainly made up for it. And just, I think, to see, 
you know, see the podium, see, you know, Max up there, who was another just a masterclass from him. But to see Lando in second place, the elation he had, and he's, you know, he's pretty honest about it. This is as good as we got. And uh, he was definitely the best of the rest. But that wonderful moment between Fernando Alonso and Sergio Perez when, you know, Checo came up and gave him a hug and he kind of whispered in his ear and I wonder what he said. But I'm sure it was something along the lines of, you are a genius. That was fun racing. Um, so that was it. So it was a great race and and definitely sets the scene as we're getting ready for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. The track is all set up. I posted a video uh, last night. I actually got the track the wrong way. But yeah, this is Vegas. It's easy to get upside down. Um, the grandstands are all in place. The signage is all going up. You can tell there's about to be a motor race. It's uh, I walked over one of the walkways, looked down, and you can just... You, it kind of gave me an inkling on what it's going to be like when the the when the lights go on. I just can't imagine. That must be so cool when they flick the switch. Uh, but it's definitely already. I mean, the Formula One circus will be arriving in town. The, all the drivers and everybody will be arriving probably by Tuesday next week. And uh, I mean, everyone moved from Brazil here. All their support teams are already setting up. The garage complex is in place. A lot of the executives from the win here went to look at the win. Um, executive club, uh, a driver's club there. And it is, the view from it was amazing. They have one of the best spots. So I don't know, still last minute. If you want to go check it out, go to winlasvegas.com slash experiences slash F1. It is, uh, the win here will be the epicenter of it all. And i so excited to be a part of it. And of course, Drive to Win, we're going to be doing shows all through the week. So stay tuned on social media and you'll see when we do it. My guest today, Gilles DeFerrin, uh, he was the 2000 and 2001 Champ Car Champion uh, driving for Penske and he was the winner of the 2003 Indianapolis 500. I cannot believe it was 20 years ago that we all celebrated with him on that amazing victory. Truly one of the cerebral drivers of his generation. He's an engineer by trade and just a brilliant man behind the wheel, but also a brilliant man outside the wheel. He went on to have his own team uh, with DeFerrin Motorsports, and he was also, uh, they won a lot of races in LMP1 in the Le Mans series during 2009. He never had a chance to race in Formula 1, which is a pity, because I think he should have. Maybe we'll ask him about that. He has had three times of dipping into the Formula 1 pool. Uh, he was with BAR as their F1 sports director back in the mid-2000s came back in 2018 as sporting director for McLaren, uh, stepped back from that. But now he's back in a very key role as part of Zach Brown's total restructuring of the management of Formula One, McLaren's Formula One team. And I guess you could say, by golly, it is working out, isn't it? Um, he is a brilliant mind, but importantly, he is one of my best friends. So let's welcome Gilles to Drive to Win. And thank you very much, my friend, for leaving that Kuiperinia or Kuiperoska to join me on the show. Yeah, no, I'm good, Justin. It's, uh, it's uh, great to see you. Well, I guess see you on the screen, I suppose, but uh, it's better than uh, nothing. Um, <laughs> and it's great to be here in Brazil, actually. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have uh, uh, that many opportunities to, to come back here anymore. Um so it was nice to be here for the Grand Prix and um, staying a little bit after here too. Seeing family and uh, mostly everybody. See, yeah, exactly. Mostly to see the family and and some friends who are, I don't have a lot of opportunity to do that. Yeah, well, I know I know how important as a, you know, I've known you for so long. And even though you and all the other top Brazilian drivers have made Florida your home, that there's so much of your life that is is Brazilian, right? The spirit of, I said at the beginning of the show, the spirit of passion for life, the passion for enjoying themselves. And tell me, was that, was that what happened this weekend at the Grand Prix? It just seemed to be this ball of energy and you must love to go back there and tap into that. Yeah, it was, uh, frankly, it was a great vibe. Uh, um, attendance, you know, the, as loud as normal yeah <laughs> uh it was it was nice nice to see, not only to see but to feel the passion that uh, uh brazilian fans have for for formula one and and uh, i would say for racing in general so um 
it was uh, it was nice to to feel that. Yeah, and and I imagine that all the the drivers you could see on their social media, it's like they they and I guess that's the beauty of social media. You get an insight into their regional immersion, right? They go to one place, they feel one thing, they do another. They go to Brazil, and it was all about carnival and and having a good time. Do you, do you think? Brazil, especially at this time of the year, is, is probably the right timing, right? To go there near the end of the year so they can enjoy the experience? Well, you know, to be honest, uh, Justin, uh, you know, look, there's definitely that, that other thing that the, the Brazilian fans uh, provide to uh, to the Brazilian Grand Prix, which is uh, very uniquely Brazilian, as you say. Uh, on the other hand, you know, um, it's all business it's uh, all on the business. other side, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, when the, as we say, when the visor goes down, uh, it's uh, we have to uh, to perform on the, on the racetrack. Uh, this was the last race of a triple header, so uh, there was, uh, you know, uh, shall we say, a lot of uh, tired faces uh, around the paddock, but. Um, you know, uh, it's always nice to, to be back in in Brazil. Unfortunately, it's not their last race of the year. I think no. it was for a while, but it's not the last race of the year anymore. So uh, come Sunday night, uh, we're already thinking about Vegas and um, and then on to Abu Dhabi for the last one. Yeah, well, well, let's talk about it. For you guys, in your role, you know, revive role back at McLaren, you you guys must come away from a weekend like that going this was this was so strong compared to where you were six months ago i mean the energy in the team you can see it led by lando talk a little before we dive in a bit talk about how there's a rejuvenation within mclaren because you can feel it you can see it the pit stops everything yeah. uh, certainly justin uh, i mean the team is doing a great job you know um and when I say the team, you know, it's over 750 people. <laughs> uh, and uh, what you see on the on the racetrack is the tip of the spear. You know, there's uh, a huge amount of effort um, uh, that's gone behind, you know, this upturning performance. Uh, certainly, um, uh, I was looking at, a, forgive me, I'm going to get it wrong, but I was looking at statistics uh stat that since Singapore I think we we were on the podium like uh, eight eight times yeah. you know um and um and that's also obviously reflected on the on the points uh, not just for Fernando and Oscar but uh, uh in the constructors uh, championship which is very important for us but you know uh, all of this to say it's been a huge uh, huge team effort um uh, I think uh, hats off as well to the drivers. Uh, both mm. Lando and and Oscar are outstanding, really. I mean, there's uh, <laughs> uh, no other way to say um, that they're, they're very, very good drivers. So um, anyway, yeah, we're no, happy, you can but uh, yeah. head down. It's still, it's still two to go. <laughs> still two so, to go. Uh, not, yeah, and, and, I mean, I, not I focus on those. Yeah, I mean, it's let's talk about those two drivers because it's, you know, it's so different to Mercedes or obviously over at Aston where you've got such a a, a veteran in the lead car, if, not lead car, but effectively lead car over there. Here you've got two young chargers and Lando, for his youth, is the team leader, effectively having, you know, with, with that experience. And yet they're both so desperately young. What's it like for you with all, you know, decades of experience and you've dealt with so many drivers in your own team in sports cars in IMSA. Um, and I know you're a, you're a student of watching other drivers. That, that was one of your strengths as a, when you were professionally racing. I mean, these guys, you say they are good, but put into context the pressure that they have, Gilles, because it's more than you or I ever experienced. Absolutely, Justin. Um, look, uh, you know, this is uh, Formula One racing, right? Mm. So, um, uh, and you're racing against, 
you know, guys that won several world championships uh, and it's the top of the top, right? Is the creme de la creme uh, that you're racing against. So the bar, as you say, is, is very, very high uh, indeed. You know, in fact, the last uh, two races, um, or the last three races, um, Austin, you know, Mexico, and um, and here in Brazil, I was reflecting after the race, and and you know me, I'm yeah. looking at all the data, I'm watching all the videos and GPS traces, and 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 and. and and the, the feeling I had after the race, uh, those uh, three races, you know, those are the most fresh in my mind, is, is the level of driving is unbelievably high. You know, it, it may, sometimes it may not look that way on TV, but these guys are pushing uh, extremely hard. And, um, you know, to win one of those races is, uh, and, and, and beat these guys is, is not easy. So, you know, uh, as you say, for a guy like Lando, uh, you know, he's got a few years in Formula 1 now, but he's still very, very young. Uh, um, be performing as he is, is, is really fantastic. And and I can't say good, good <laughs> enough good things about Oscar, really. Oh, yeah. um, his first year in Formula 1. Um, and uh, he's going to a lot of tracks that are extremely difficult um and some tracks very sort of tricky <laughs> in yeah. a way like the one uh, that we just had a grand prix here in brazil and uh, and he's he's having outstanding uh, performances yeah no, I, so um drivers I'm, are very good <laughs> what can are, i say so they're good. just very good <laughs> and and you know i what i love about it i, I actually thought about it two weekends ago and when i was you know hoping to get you on the show is you remember when you're when you were driving and you could look at your own trace up against another driver and you go, "My God, he does that there. Oh, I do that there. Oh, that's good. I'm good here." But you get the chance to look at two drivers objectively, and this is something that I think the average fan doesn't understand: is the ebb and flow of performance advantage on a track. No driver is faster everywhere than another driver. No driver loses in you know everywhere. It's always an ebb and flow. Uh, I, any insight you can tell us to their, I mean, not their driving styles, that's too much maybe, but, but where, what do you see as the differences between, you know, Lando's experience where he knows how to use the car and Oscar's very calm, objective, seems ice cold almost uh, approach. Do you see, is it fun for you to look at that? What do you learn when you look at their traces? Yeah, you know, for, for sure. I mean, as much as uh, what I like to say, uh, every driver try to extend their menu, uh, mm -hmm. meaning uh, you can drive a a greater range of uh, situations and circumstances uh, to deal with the how, however, the circuit and so on and so forth. Um, as much as every driver tries to do that you always have your sort of underlying uh, style, uh, shall we say, uh, those tendencies that you, you tend to default to. Um, but one thing I was going to say when you were asking me that question that they popped into my mind is um, it's interesting, right, Justin, because... You know, there's sometimes you know, there's an opinion in that you know you should have a number one and a number two driver, mm. and that's beneficial for the team and so on and so forth. Uh, what I actually notice is by having two drivers that are unbelievably good um, and uh, and very close to each other. Uh, to your point, you know. Uh, even when one driver is quicker than the other one, you know, there's a couple of corners here and there where uh, when one holds an advantage. So what ends up happening is that they push each other up mm. um, because, uh, you know, you look at the corners where you're weak and you try to learn something from your uh, from your teammates, you know, May perhaps adjust your driving a little bit, uh, the way you brake, the way you, you accelerate, and so on and so forth, and you pick up a little bit of time. 
you know, and the same thing happens with the other drivers. So uh, when there's the level of, uh, I think, collaboration that we see uh, within McLaren um, and two drivers that are, that are uh, like I said, you know, performing uh, extremely well, this not only helps them uh, push each other up, but it also helps the team uh, to understand the car better and 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 take the car to uh, to another level. So um, I think uh, we have a a nice team. Uh, you do have a nice say. team. Very, definitely, everyone thinks about it. The strongest <laughs> pairing in a lot of ways. Okay, some questions that you you can really help me answer. Like my producer Jeremiah, we're always talking about things that happen at the start and what makes a great start and. Um, you know, I sit there like we all do pretending I've got my foot ready to go on the gas when the light goes out, right? I'm like, I think I did a better start than than Max. Um, but in my mind, uh, can you just talk me through that, you know, even when you were doing IndyCar, I know there's rolling starts, but you remember the joy of standing starts. It was just such a great feeling. And Lando having a rocket ship start on Sunday, gaining all those positions. It is something that still matches man against man in that situation. But how complex is that starting sequence for them? Because what makes them have a bad start? You'd think with all that technology, a bad start was almost impossible. Can you just talk me through those last few seconds, what they have to do? Well, I wish I knew it in detail, to be honest <laughs> with you, but I know that, <laughs> I know they're uh, going through a lot of uh, different procedures. But uh, one thing I can tell you is that um, uh, it, it, it definitely, it, a good start relies not only on, on the team, but it also relies on, on the driver. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a nice mixture, mixture of... Uh, should we say responsibilities, right? Mm, uh, mm. We need, uh, as a team, we need to get our, our processes uh, right, the adjustments uh, just right, um, and the understanding of where the grip is and so on and so forth, uh, just right. But then the driver has to uh, to execute it. So it's really a good start. It comes down to a combination of uh, good teamwork uh, and uh, and uh, good, great uh, driver execution. Yeah, I'm sure you could see them. They, I remember talking to, um, I was with the Ferrari drivers in New York two weeks ago and they were just talking, we had a steering wheel, one of their 2021 steering wheels they were they were giving to auction. And we were just looking at all the controls and, and I asked Carlos and I said, I mean, how familiar are you? He said, it's in my brain. I don't have to look at the wheel. I know all the sub menus and everything. The complexity of that, Gilles, the time, the speed of their processing from eyes to brain to hand to to feet and the seat of their their bum, you know, is so accelerated now and so evolved. They, Do you still think it's amazing the amount of controls they do on the steering wheel just watching? I'm going, holy shit. They're going between turns two and three at Silverstone. How the hell are they adjusting anything, you know? You know, Justin, uh, you and I are similar ages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're old racing drivers. <laughs> and uh, so we remember those days that I think the most you had is probably a radio, somebody talking to you. And uh, and it was hard to drive a good lap uh, when somebody was talking to you. Yeah. Um, in fact, it was a common phenomenon, right? You probably uh, remember somebody starts talking to you at the wrong place, Uh and it, it can really throw you off. Yeah. And, and uh, it ceases to amaze me, uh, to your point, the amount of uh, things, let's call it the workload, yeah. right? Uh, that a modern uh, Formula One uh, driver has, uh, making sometimes several adjustments per lap um to optimize the performance of the car and they're continuously adapting and pushing extremely hard you know um and without missing a beat um it's uh it's really quite uh, incredible um, to uh to do nowadays it takes a lot of practice takes a lot of training um it takes a lot of uh, mental capacity 
I think, to to be able to do all those things, but not just execute them, but execute them well, you yeah. know, because it's easy to do all of these things in the steering wheel and so on and so forth and lose two or three or four tenths, you know. Uh, the difficulty is to do all of these adjustments and not lose any time. In fact, yeah. quite the opposite, sometimes gain time. Yeah, no, I just, I just love seeing it. All right, here's something I know about you, which is why sports cars always irked you. And indie cars appeal to you because it's purist. You just go racing the fastest guy or girl on the day will be the winner. It's what you do. That's why Formula One, as you said, always told me is your ultimate place to be. I hope you share in all of our frustration with the fact that Formula One is the pace of the race is determined by the performance of the Pirelli tires at any one given time. I know Pirelli are doing a lot of work on it. It's not a knock on Pirelli, but as my dad and dad and I were just talking, you know him well, he's calls a spade a spade. He's like, I just can't believe yeah. that the pace of a race in the middle, these guys are five, six seconds off in the middle of a race because of the tire deg and because of having to go to a different tire. Uh, how much, how many resources are, and, are dedicated to that over the weekend? Because you have so many options. You have so many strategies. It must it must take up a mind-numbing amount of time. Um, I'm assuming you, you're asking me about how do we go about figuring out what's the best strategy for the race, right? Yeah, I really am uh, in a long-winded way. But yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, before I go there, let, let me make a comment about, about this, uh, let's call it tire management. Mm. Um, I don't know, Justin, I... Um, I always felt as a driver that that was a, a necessary skill that you needed to have, even in the junior formulas, actually, mm -hmm. um, that you needed to know pushing, say, for example, pushing qualifying where you actually have no concern with time management. You only need to do one good lap uh, versus pushing in the race. Um I always felt that there was a, a difference because you needed to be able to, to push continuously and not abuse the tires. Okay, some tires are more fragile than other tires, um, and that, this is true then and, uh, and it's true now. Um, and, you know, in fact, I'll recall uh, the 2001 Indianapolis 500, um, where I was, and this is a novel race, right? So um, I'm leading the race. Um, I come into the last pit stop. Uh, my teammate, Elio, who you know well mm -hmm. as well, uh, gets by me in the pits. Um, I knew I was faster. Um, I was in a hurry to pass him after the, after the pit stop, but I was following him so closely that I burned up my uh, my right front tire and uh you know five laps into the stint uh, really was nowhere anymore because i had no more right front tire um this is just to uh, uh bring an example that happened you know a very visible example yeah. <laughs> uh, that happened in my in my own career um, about tire management and over whatever, 22 years ago. Um, so for me, that's always been, uh, uh, been, a, been a part of the sport. And certainly today in, in, in Formula One, understanding the pace of each type of tire, you know, every race you have the soft, the medium and the hard. Uh, it varies on the, depending on the, uh, on the racetrack, whether you bring the three softest one, the three hardest ones, or or the three in the middle, uh, Pirelli has uh, five compounds, I think. Yeah, five five different compounds, mm -hmm. um, and you have to understand the pace, and you have to understand uh, how fragile and how how much they degrade um, over a stint, and um, and frankly. It's difficult to know those things very exactly because the track is always changing, um, you know, so your experience and, uh, and a lot of uh, mathematics, uh, shall we say, help uh, paint that picture. 
but certainly when you go to a new track like Vegas, um, as we're going to uh, go in, um, in a couple of weeks' time, uh, that is a very challenging situation because you don't know the surface uh, yeah. particularly well. Um, you've never been to the circuit. Um, and it's and it's very difficult to figure out these parameters in order to come up with a good uh, uh, strategy for the race. Yeah, and, and you're right. The, like I tell people that are getting into Formula 1, I say, really study a car, you know, follow a team, follow a driver, and you follow their strategy, and it kind of becomes much more interesting. Um, so I know you very well, and I would love to have had a microphone on you, open mic, uh, as the start of the Brazilian Grand Prix unfolded to the first <laughs> corner, <laughs> because it would have been, it would have made even Netflix blush, I'm sure. But holy yeah. cow! Did that go? Did that go wrong in a hurry? I mean, a you've got Lando going down the left, and you go, yeah. that is brilliant. That, I mean, brilliant. Dr yeah. What a brilliant start! And you know what that feels like as a drive. You're like, yay! And yeah, then, absolutely. and then on the other side of the track, you have all hell breaking loose. Um, my yeah. que my question, Jill, is: you have so many. You 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 obviously lay out so many strategies, but a red flag on the first lap. I mean, what? Give us a give us context for the sort of again the resources the team the strategy team that kick in at that point because it must just it changes everything for the entire race. Now, uh, for sure, Justin, and uh, you know my own emotions at the time was obviously I was extremely um, happy that Lando had a good start, but I really felt for Oscar, you know, that got caught in an incident that wasn't you know there was nothing he could have done there. And uh, and obviously there's always concern, right? Because it was a pretty hefty um, accident um, that happened on on the start. And uh, you know, once it's, it's clear that then no one was uh, was injured, which is uh, was great news. Um, you know, you, you shift your focus towards okay, now what, right? Um, and um, you know, thankfully. Uh, these situations are rehearsed. Mm. Uh, when we have a team of strategists, you know, when there's some people in the UK, and, uh, we have several meetings over the weekend. All of these scenarios are discussed, you know. Um, they're not predicted, but it's a scenario that is possible and therefore is is wide uh, and is well understood so really everyone goes into a a, 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 a set of coordinated actions um, um, to get prepared for when the race goes uh, goes green again um, and uh, and that's exactly what uh, what happened in Brazil you know the the team went uh, um, you know, part of the team was taking care of uh, Lando, make sh making sure everything was okay. He had the right tires, which tires we were going to start with. You know, that was a decision in front of us. Um, and on Oscar was uh, trying to repair the car uh, the best we could. Unfortunately, he, he lost a lap. Um, but, um, you know, that was, a, that was a focus at the time. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and when you come to, as you said, when you come to Vegas, you don't have any data, you have you have nothing. So those, and being a street race is, the street race with all the, and at night, with the, with, it could be pretty darn cold here, as you know, at that time of night. Uh, just yeah. based on a lot of simulator work, is that is that how they do it? I mean, there's so much math involved now. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, we have some pretty sophisticated yeah. simulations um, and and uh, uh, what we call both offline and online. Uh, offline is a is the computer uh, driving, shall we say, the the, the simulation, right? Um, online is when the driver is actually driving a, a simulator, um, and uh, and a McLaren with some uh, pretty sophisticated uh, equipment. The problem is you, you know, with tracks that you've been a number of times before, um, you have a lot of information about about the racetrack. You can do a lot of work to 
because you've done a lot of laps, you later to ensure that, uh, that everything correlates uh, uh, very well. Therefore, whatever results you get from your simulations and your simulator and whatever other studies you do, you have a high degree of confidence uh, uh, you're having uh, good answers. Um, the problem when you go to track is that there's as much as you try to reduce the level of uncertainty, uh, you look at the track map and you, you try to do whatever, um, inherently the uncertainty and more unknowns. So uh, it, it's, it's always more challenging uh, to go to a new track uh, like this to, to try to get as, as well tuned as you can. Like even, uh, for example, how bumpy the, the track is, yeah. is, is very hard to ascertain. Yeah, yeah. And, and but every, like we always used to say when we went to a new track, right? It's the same for everyone. Everybody's going to be here exactly. getting out there and <laughs> exactly. thank, thank God you're going to have enough sessions. Um, you're, you know, as you've already brought up, uh, we're the old guard, we're the old dogs, right? Um, yeah. How? Well, speak for yourself. No, you, I'm definitely the younger one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't even need to go there. Um, we are actually the same age, everyone. Um, but uh, one of us has ridden harder. Uh, talk about Alonso's, talk about Alonso's drive, that last stint. As, as someone that I know you admire him greatly, what a driver. I don't think there's many drivers that could have pulled off what he did with an inferior car. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about the level of driving, right? And mm. uh, the many world champions that are in the grid. And, you know, there's no denying that Fernando, even at the tender age of, I actually don't know how old he is, but I think he's over 40. Oh, yeah, 40 um, Forty-two. I mean, he's he's having a fantastic season, you know, and um, and I I think this weekend again he proved why he's considered one of the best guys guys that has ever driven a Formula One car ever. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and that's certainly that's how I look at him. Um, I had the pleasure to work with him uh, both in Formula One and. Uh, an IndyCar before and and nothing but uh, good things to say about him. Yeah, yeah. Just really, it was just great to watch and and what it a was finish! Magic, actually. It was yeah, magic it was, and yeah, exactly. and you know you could just yeah. tell you know obviously Prez has had such a crap time and you know just to see there's something that I think also any sportsman in any sport knows when you have a great race, a great fight, a great round of golf, a great whatever. It's, 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 you carry that spirit with you, same as when you did karting. And it, right, if, if it's a great race, it doesn't matter where you finish, you'd rather win, but you know, you entered into something pretty epic. And that was so cool to see Checo, you know, just put his arms around Alonso and go, that was good, man. That was good. <laughs> it was a great sporting moment, actually, uh, Justin, you know. Uh, um, um, People look at Formula One and they say, well, it's all about the car and stuff. Uh, and it's not, uh, of course, the car is very important. Um, but uh, it's a sport of uh, human beings and, and machines uh, together, you know. And uh, and for me, that was a great racing moment. Um, uh, it was great to watch. And it's great to see the respect uh, that both drivers had for each other. And um, and how they behaved both came out of the car. Yeah, so I loved it's, it. It's a great, uh, great sporting moment, actually. Okay, before we get to our little short question thing, I, I do want to ask you because I've been asked, what do you actually do there? <laughs> I'm, I'm a consultant. Yeah. yeah, I'm a consultant. I work directly for Andreas Stella, who yeah. is the team principal. Um, I met Andrea um, back in 18, 19, when we were uh, working together, trying to turn the team around between 18 and 19, and we got on very well together. Um, so 
I mean, I uh, work with him in every aspect of uh, how to improve the performance of uh, the team. Uh, some technical stuff, some uh, organizational stuff, some uh, business stuff. You know, we, we look at everything. So uh, I try to help Andrea and as much as I can. And, and to be honest, also Piers uh, Thien, who is the COO. Um, so we, let's just say we talk a lot yeah. <laughs> um, ab- about all sorts of uh, subject. But uh, in a way, it's, it's interesting, um, right? Because I was a racing driver. You know, people immediately go and think, oh, he's, you know, he's just trying to help the drivers. Um, frankly, that is, uh, I hardly do any of that at all. Um, you know, it's much more on, on how do we um, elevate the level of performance of, uh, uh, with the, the team um, overall. Well, and you got to, I mean, everyone's got to admit it. When, when uh, it, Zach and, and uh, Stella put together, announced they're putting together this sort of over-management team and it was kind of slightly fraction, yeah. fractional, you know, you're going, well, this could be a disaster or it's going to be brilliant. And obviously it's been the latter and congratulations to everyone because you're obviously, I know you love systems. You love, you love the complexity of, of our sport. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you're yeah. obviously, you're obviously in the right place, Jill. That's just so good. Love it. Well, thank you, Justin. And also, you know, heads off to Zach, you know, he's, um, um, also been a, a great inspirational uh, leader and, and put a great group of uh, people together. So it's, you know, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day, right? Fun f- fun feels a little shallow, shall mm. we say, right? Mm. Because it's very intense, um, but it's definitely very enjoyable. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's certainly, at least for me, uh, since I joined the team earlier this year, it's been a, a very enjoyable uh, journey. Great, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, great personal relationships um, as well as uh, as um, good professional uh, relationships too. Perfect. Well, you've got two more races left and the momentum is certainly that, I mean, if Max so much as squeaks in the seat wrong one of your guys is there and that is the best position you could hope for right now isn't it that you're just you're just there you're going to pounce the minute there's a the minute there's a a mistake or on the day you guys could be quicker here in vegas who knows you really could be yeah yeah uh, listen uh, you have to say that uh, max and uh, and his team have have been executing literally every single weekend you know um They've been in every situation um, with hardly any mistakes uh, the whole season. So no wonder he's having a, a record-breaking season. Um, you know, uh, in a way, I wish it was just a one-on-one sort of race. Sometimes they become that way. Um, but you can't go into races, in my mind, just think, think of how best to execute those all the way from Friday, or even frankly before Friday. Yeah. Uh, but when when the car turns the wheel on Friday you know, to Sunday, you know, um, so full focus on execution. Um, you know, drivers like I said, drivers are great. You know, and if we execute well, hopefully we have a chance. But uh, you know, there's formidable competitors, shall we say. Uh, that deserve respect, I think, uh, throughout the grid. Oh yeah. So uh, we can't rest. You know, we we have to keep uh, keep pushing uh, um, and trying to execute practice by practice uh, into qualifying and then um, into the race. Every detail matters. Wow, I love that. And you can see the pressure is on. It's exciting to watch. All right, it's time now for Mobile One for the love of driving, Gilles. Are Brazilians more passionate about soccer or Formula One? Or is it impossible? You know, this um, 
can't remember. I think about 250 million people here. Um, it would be hard to interview everyone. <laughs> um, but uh, look, as if, I don't know, Justin, it's impossible for me to say. I guess I have more contact with those that like racing more. So, um, but you have to say, uh, you know, football or I guess um, extremely uh, over here. But uh, there's definitely um, a strong passion for, uh, for motorsports and particularly Formula One in this country. Hard question. Are today's young drivers better than the generations before or just better prepared? Um, I mean, we discussed it a lot, right? When mm -hmm. you even touched that uh, earlier on, I, I think as the sport evolves, you, your different skills are required and therefore you're required to develop different skills, right? When you and I are driving, knowing how to downshift here, you know, uh, with your hand to not yeah. lock, lock up the rears was a very important skill for you to go fast. Nowadays, it doesn't really matter. Uh, but you would, you have to attain other skills like the ones we were discussing earlier that you, you play with all these buttons uh, and you're still able to focus and take the car to the limit. Um, so I don't, you know, look, every, um, I, 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 I can't really answer that question other than there's been great drivers throughout history that knew how to master the skill necessary at the time uh, to get the best, uh, best results. And um, the best drivers are doing that and they have always done that. Yeah. Personally, would you rather have had to line up generationally against Senna, Schumacher, or Verstappen? I mean, the three titans of the last 30 years. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> so you're, you're kind of screwed out. You're screwed either way, but, but, but uh, just from a personal point of view. Well, it's interesting. Uh, from a personal perspective, actually, you know, I mentioned that before that. Um, when I retired, uh, one of the things that I missed actually was uh, racing as Michael because uh, we're a similar generation. Uh, he was widely regarded and as being the, the best driver in the world at the time, um, in the same way that people look at Max now. Um, and I wanted to race against him. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because you want uh, you want to meet the biggest challenge, you know, um, uh, that you can possibly imagine. So, um, you know, at the time I had those feelings that, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, and our paths never really crossed in in any meaningful uh, any meaningful way. Uh, but you know, following the theme of you want to try to meet the biggest challenge. Why not race all three at once? You know, it would certainly make you better. It would certainly make you better. That's that's a great answer. Um, this is a very, very hard question. But um, in the same, Mario Andretti once said to my dad, I would swap a Formula One win for a Le Mans win because I'd never won Le Mans. What of your victories would yeah. you have swap, swapped to have won a Formula One race? <sighs> I can't just say, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I literally don't think in, in those ways. Uh, it's just not how my mind works. That's well, you needed to so do confused. both. You needed to do um, both. You needed to, you could take the indie yeah. wins and then go to Formula One. That would have been good. I, yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, it, yeah, please. Okay. And, and my last question, very, very serious. Kuiperinia or Kuiperoska? Because I want to know if you've changed over the I years. Uh, uh, Piroskas, yeah, know, no, Kaipiroskas for me are, are still better than than the original Kaipirinho. Yeah, well, you see, those are the important. This is what Gilles and my friendship has been based on for twenty years. So we we know that we we can do that together. Hey, listen, I'm. I'll see you next week. It's here in Vegas. I, I can't believe the time has yeah, already no. come. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, it's going to be a great event, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, certainly unique. Certainly <laughs> um, unique. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I think it's, 
um, it's going to be a great experience. Uh, but I was going to say, how proud were you to look to the front of the grid and see Anna, your daughter, DJing at the, the head of the Brazilian Grand Prix? I was so excited. Yeah. So it's funny, Andreas uh, uh, saw me before the race. I said, what's wrong with you? I said, you're know, you nervous. I said, yeah, very nervous. <laughs> I was more anxious for her than I was for for everything but listen she's uh, she's doing a great job you know her career is uh, is really uh, going you know is on this direction basically so and and she loves what she does and uh, it was great to see her there doing doing her thing i loved it i love it you see that you see that you see that picture behind me sorry on yeah. this side yeah there she is yeah, and she's not That's that size her. anymore. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. So much. And I'll see you next week and enjoy a few days off. Thank you very much. Uh, right. It's great talking to you, Justin. See, see you in a bit. Hey there, race fans. Justin Bell here. If you're anything like me, driving probably means quite a lot to you, and not just racing, all driving. Nowadays, I'm sure you feel like I do sometimes, too distracted with texts, emails, work calls, and social media to get out there and simply enjoy the open road. I've always had a love of driving, and that's what Mobile One is all about. A reminder that even when life starts to feel too full of screens and routines, the ultimate escape is waiting patiently in your driveway. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Well, thank you very much. Always great fun to talk to Gilles. He's a great mind and some good insight onto how McLaren Formula One is working, getting ready for the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Talking about the Las Vegas Grand Prix, I know I mentioned it already, but I tell you what, this place has come alive. Walking down on the strip last night, looking up at the extensive trust system with lights literally every 10 feet. You know, this place is going to lit up like the 4th of July. The track is all in place. The barriers are there. You can see the banners going up. It is going to be Absolutely one of the most exciting races of the year. Just seeing the energy of the place come alive. Las Vegas doing a Grand Prix like no other. And of course, with the win right in the center of it, you know there is so much reason to be here for it. I mean, lots of the drivers staying here, top key personnel, activations from the red carpet all the way to the checkered flag on Saturday night. It's going to be something very special. And I know you can tell by the Formula One cars we have in here and just the energy of this place. Uh, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is going to be something, it's going to be a great way to round off the 2023 season, but still with another race to go after that. Anyway, before we get to Las Vegas Grand Prix, the Heineken Silver Grand Prix, we have the Las Vegas Concord. It is right here at the win. And I'll tell you what, I went out on the golf course this morning and seeing the sphere at the end of the fairway, you realize that there is no other setting for a car concourse like there is here. I mean, it's me and there's April Rosen ahead. We are going to be doing our hosting of the whole event. Uh, celebrities are coming in by the dozen and it's all happening 10 o'clock on Saturday, November the 11th. I mean, we're going to kick off with a Red Bull parachute jump, jumping in, landing just a few feet away right next to a Red Bull Formula One car. I mean, not in the car, but pretty darn close. And then we have four pillars to this event, really. We have the hypercars, we have the alternative fuels, we have the concept, and then we have the Concorde d'Elegance. Truly a, an amazing lineup of cars that really do represent the entire history of the automobile. And we've come up with some really fun names for them. Normally it's just, you know, post-war, 50s and 60s American sports cars. We have the judge classes, and then we have really fun things like Autobahn, 75 years of Porsches. We have Bella Machina. I guess you can work out what that is. The Danke Schön, which is Mercedes-Benz from the 50s and beyond. Europulence, which is European cars from the 20s and 40s. And then you have things like Go Like Hell, which is the Shelby class. So many amazing batches of cars, all for your pleasure and entertainment. So if you are anywhere near Las Vegas this weekend on Saturday, please come by because it's going to be a redefin redefining of the Concorde world. Couldn't can't wait for it. Um, also, we have a lot of manufacturers such as McLaren, Lamborghini, Bugatti, Ferrari, uh, Lucid, I mean, um, Faraday Future. They're all here showing off their latest products. It's not just the past. It's also the future of the automobile on show here. Check it out at lasvegasconcord.com. I promise you it's 
Oh, I can't wait. And it's a great way to kick off everything that's happening for next week. And including next week on Tuesday, there is the Netflix Golf, golf Challenge, I think they're calling it. Some of the top drivers, Carlos Sainz, I think maybe Albon is involved. And they're all here playing against some of the top golfers from the PGA Tour right outside. Uh, certainly going to make more of it a golf course than I would. But this is all happening right here. I mean, no wonder I'm not going to leave the place for, for 12 days. We, by the time we get to next day, next week's show, um, we'll have talked to a lot of a uh, lot of drivers, a lot of team personnel, a lot happening. Uh, we're going to be live doing shows all through the week, getting great content, putting it up on our social media. So remember, please share it and uh, like it and comment. That really helps us, obviously, and lets us know that you're enjoying the show and give me your feedback. I'm going to say goodbye. I'll see you next week. Uh, get ready for basically, they have the 12 days of Christmas. Well, it's the 12 days of Las Vegas and the win as being the center of it. So looking forward to the Las Vegas Concours and the Heineken Silver Grand Prix. I'll see you next week.